Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with musician Mark Razzo about the recent release of the soundtrack to Stinker Let's Loose. Stinker made his way from the swamps of GA just to lay in that a hammer down. In a red hot trance with an overhead cam, that's his thing from a choo choo to bean town. Miss Becky was the name and speed was the game. She was a keeping up the shiny side. Okay, so this episode is a little complicated. A couple months back, I spoke with Mark Razzo, a Brooklyn musician, about Burger Records' reissue of the soundtrack to the 1977 trucker movie Stinker Let's Loose. Razzo's uncle, C.J. McKnight, had evidently written and performed the music, and Razzo had happened to find all of his uncle's old stuff right around the time he met comedian Mike Sachs, who is in the process of re-releasing a 40th anniversary paperback edition of the movie novelization by James Taylor Johnston. We connected, and we had this great interview, and then I received some information, and I... I'll just let you listen to all of this, and then I'll explain after. That man, he liked to ride Ride, ride, ride Straight to his beer That stinker, he don't like Never, ever hide That stinker He don't got it all, nothing to fear <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm glad you took time out of your afternoon to talk about like this lost soundtrack. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a fascinating thing. Like it seems like this, like the novelization and everything, the release of that last year, like really sort of like raised the profile of Stinker Let's Loose. Like it was like a lost thing. Like how long? Like. I know this is your uncle's record and all of that. Like how long were you familiar that he had, were you aware like of the fact that he had done a soundtrack for like a, a, a movie? Yeah. You know, it's, it, I was totally aware of that, but you know, it was peripheral at best in my life growing up and I was turning 11 in 1977 when sticker lets loose, uh, came out and I have to I have to you know it's embarrassing for me to admit this but I never even saw it it wasn't exactly the kind of movie my parents were interested in we grew up in Pennsylvania um, I don't even remember that being in the theater or the drive-ins it was apparently such a drive-in kind of staple in certain parts of the country we even had a drive-in down the road and I don't remember Sinker Let's Loose playing there so you know that might say something about the the kind of movie Stinker Let's Loose was and the, and the level at which, um, you know, it achieved its kind of near-miss status as a, as a Hollywood or pseudo-Hollywood product. But certainly within my family, Uncle CJ and his exploits were, were, were fairly, you know, were fairly well-known. You know, I, I, I definitely think of him as sort of a black sheep in the family. I mean, he was a bit itinerant. He lived in a different part of the country from the rest of us. He lived out in Phoenix. I never met Uncle CJ face to face. Uh, 
Um, but I did have phone conversations with him, and I remember being highly amused by him on the phone because he also seemed unlike other people in my family. He had a great sense of humor, and not to say that my parents didn't, but you know, I think in some ways our our family is a little bit more quiet and serious, maybe. And certainly the older relatives had a little bit of that aspect to them, you know, responsible, Midwestern, whatever. And because um, actually my, my parents grew up in Ohio and my, my uncle and my grandmother. And the other weird thing I should point out is actually I, I refer to him as my uncle CJ. He's actually my great uncle. He was like the baby brother of my grandmother and he was born maybe a year and a half before my older uncle um, sorry if this is getting too deep into the family lore, but my uncle oh, Chuck, no. my mom's older brother, is is also to add another layer of confusion. You know, CJ's name was Charles James. My my uncle Chuck was Charles Adams. He was called Chuck. CJ was called CJ, and actually his father was also named named Charles, and had uh, CJ rather late in life with his second uh, second wife. But my older brother and sister definitely knew uncle cj a little bit from when they were kids um but yes but what i really remember about uncle cj was this sort of mellow voice that had this twang to it and he was always nice and funny he would call at night i would pop up and get the phone as a kid just being excited to answer the phone it'd be after dinner and there'd be the guy on the phone and he'd be asking me about my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, school, baseball, which I was really passionate about. He might ask me, uh, I have a vague recollection, he might have asked me if I saw his movie, <laughs> and I probably had to say something like, oh, not yet, you know. Um, and then it would, you know, he would toggle through these questions really quickly. I would be laughing, and I remember, you know, then he'd ask to talk to my mom, who, you know, was, I guess it would technically be his niece or whatever, and then they would get on the phone and my mom would just howl with laughter <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I had no idea what they'd be talking about. And, uh, you know, she would laugh in a way that I was not accustomed to hearing her laugh in the everyday course of our lives. And my dad would do that too. And I think that they had had some fun times together when they were younger before, um, because uncle CJ did live somewhere in Ohio, I believe before, He's moved out west and did various kind of wacky things his his life. Um, so so the, the CJ was a kind of a legendary character in our family, and, and by all accounts, was just an incredibly nice man. Uh, and uh, but you know there was some sadness there. You know I think he was making those calls because he was lonely. He he was probably drinking. He was married uh, to this woman, my aunt Addie. She died. She had MS. Sadly, died. Uh, I like to say before I was even born, I should probably clarify, I'm not really, I'd have to ask my mom when that was. I think it was around the time I was born or just after. Um, they didn't have kids. Um, so yeah, that was the extent of, of that. So when um, Mike Sachs, a very funny writer, um, mentioned to me, I'm trying to think when this was, I want to say it was the spring of 2017, that he was a fan of Sinker Let's Loose and had arranged to republish the novelization, which who knew that there was even, anybody even bothered to do a novelization it was by a guy named James Taylor Johnston, who did, I think, a bunch of disreputable stuff in his writing career. 
So he, uh, so Mike and I were actually out for a drink in Brooklyn, where we live, in our little neighborhood bar, and we'd known each other from writing and comedy circles and what whatnot. I guess comedy for him, not so much for me. But um, he mentioned this thing to me, and I, I practically fell off my bar stool. I could not believe that somebody that I knew and liked and respected had really even heard of Stinker Let's Loose and had this plan. And then when I told him my connection to it, um, he pretty much fell off his bar stool. And, um, and then, yeah, it kind of went from there. At that point, there really wasn't any indication that Audible would want to do this revamped very funny version that they did last year with John Hamm and a really a stellar cast, uh, which paved the way for the music to being back out there again. They made great use of, of the original C.J. McKnight soundtrack from 1977, and I helped them a little bit with that because I had um, I've inherited. Sounds like too too <laughs> grand a word for it, but I but you, you know we up with. had some. Had, yeah, I mean, after he, after Uncle, C, after CJ died in in two thousand two, I mean, he didn't really leave much behind him. But my mother was one of his closest relatives, and so we ended up with some of his stuff, and that that came down to me. I mean, and in fact, you know, I, I should also say that it was kind of miraculous and weird that any of it did land in my lap, because I remember having a conversation with my mom, and she mentioned that. Uh, that Uncle CJ had died, and I honestly hadn't even really had a conversation about him with my mom or anyone in my family probably for years before that. And then she was saying, oh, you know, about how she felt very put on the spot because, um, you know, he didn't really have his affairs in order, and there was, I guess, stuff in his will about her and stuff for her, and it was a little bit of a mess. So she mentioned this to me and then she mentioned, Oh, you know, I think there's some, some things and, you know, he did that movie and he had the music. And of course I was playing in bands. So anything music I was interested in, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, Oh, does he have like a cool guitar or something for me? I don't know. And this, she kind of took care of it. And then this stuff came to her house. And then I subsequently got, which was, uh, you know, a box or two of like random stuff, including some of these, tapes like a radio promo cart some memorabilia just i mean it's kind of random a lot of it was, was total junk um but there was this stuff in there and i was of course you know as a fan of music and i always loved country music i was kind of thrilled that this thing actually existed and it and it kind of cracked me up but you know i kind of put it to the side went on with life playing in bands and whatnot so yeah i to say the least i was flabbergasted when mike Sachs mentioned this to me so what i find it fascinating is if i remember correctly like this album like this is the first time it's been released like i know they released like the novelization but like i don't recall like there existing like an actual soundtrack that ever came out yeah it was apparently like a really small label thing that came out um you know, I've tried to find it on eBay. I don't have success. I mean, there was kind of a beat-up uh, uh, copy in that box, like an eight-track thing. I mean, this is all so sm like small-time. I mean, we think about things like Smoking the Bandit, Every Which Way But Loose. I mean, these were huge movies. And then you think of like the culty 
you know, redneck exploitation movies of, of the era that we know about. And then there's another tier below that. <laughs> <laughs> and Stinker Let's Loose was kind of that. And I think also, you know, it was just in some, the whole project was in some kind of distribution, um, copyright, ownership, limbo, and it may still be. And that's part of the reason why we don't, you know, it's not showing at your local art house movie theater <laughs> or all over um, YouTube, Alamo, I mean, you know, as far as, that, as, far as actually, you know, it's funny because Mike, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, the Alamo Draft House hasn't picked it up or anything for like ironic Tuesday night screenings. Not yet, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we're heading in that direction now uh, if enough people are, are interested uh, with a great N- Nighthawk cinema here in my neighborhood of Brooklyn here in Windsor Terrace. Uh, but yeah, so it's really been, I mean, I have to say also, uh, it's just been so incredibly fun to engage with this. And actually, I realized, like, you know, part of course, now I regret, like, never talking with him about any of this because it's all wacky and fun, you know? It's like my uncle was the poor, poor man C.W. McCall, and I really I didn't appreciate it or something, you know? I mean, I think I had that. I kind of knew that on some level when I was a kid, but it didn't really mean anything to me. Yeah, when you're like 11 and you're listening to music in the the late 70s, you're probably not listening to like C.W. McCall or, you know, Waylon (laughs) Jennings or things like that. You're you're listening to like your your Led Zeppelins and your Cheap Tricks and your things like that. Exactly, exactly. And as much as like, you know, stuff like Eastbound and Down was on the radio because that was a moment and there was a moment of redneck chic in the late 70s that was really interesting with, you know, with a Georgian in the White House and Hee Haw and a lot of crossover country. Yeah, I mean, I was... Uh, Gosh, you know, I mean, I was listening to old Beatles records and loving all that, you know, Peter Frampton on the radio or Wings or, you know, or Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. And, um, yeah, so it felt kind of culturally uh, removed, you know, from both where my head was at musically and kind of what my family was about, you know. Um, so it didn't really stick. And I think there was even, you know, probably on some levels a little bit of embarrassment about, about the sinker let's lose connection you know i don't think like my mom ever i didn't even know if she thought about it enough to be embarrassed by it really i mean um you know i don't want to make it sound like it was considered like a black spot on the family name or or anything like that but it was just so small time that i'm sure you know my mom's attitude was like oh god yeah you know uncle cj i mean i've mentioned it to her a couple times she's still my mom is still living she's in florida now and uh you know, she's am- she's amused by it, but it's kind of like, I don't think she was ever particularly impressed by it, you know? Um, so, anyway, it's funny. I mean, she has such a low-key attitude about it um, for other things that impress her more, I guess. But uh, but it, it sure, has, it sure has been fun to get this back out there. And um, I have to say that I feel like Burger Records, um, Sean Borman and those guys did such a great job of repackaging the soundtrack. Um, it's... Uh, it's a it's a, it's a beautiful product.
I feel like Burger is like the perfect label to put this out because like any label that like puts out that many cassettes, like this is it. This this is <laughs> like the definitive sort of like truck stop album. Like I mean, as 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 much as like Trucker Chic was a thing and as you said and like i've got like a couple of records here in this office that are just like like literally nothing but like 16 tracks of cb songs you know cw mccall and red sovine and things like that like like yeah like this is this is something that you don't like like maybe you buy it on lp if you're if you're wanting to be clever and you want it to sound good but like this is honestly like something you buy on cassette at a truck stop while you're also getting like coffee a donut maybe some beef jerky uh and then you know you put like this is this is a pickup truck album <laughs> yeah i think you're right in the best way and it's so true i i can so see this on the carousel at a truck stop <laughs> um and as you say when you're buying beef jerky or maybe they have a western shirt or something in there um and uh yeah i mean burger they're the perfect people to do it i mean just to kind of get it and get you know, get why it's amusing and also get why it's cool, you know? I mean, I, you know, I listen to this stuff and I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Like, that's a really catchy theme song, you know? And I know that a lot of a lot of commentary about the Audible uh, production last year, um, you know, was about, um, was about the music and the response to it was really strong. And in fact, last year we went to uh, Sketchfest in San Francisco to do a... a stage uh, version of Secret Let's Loose at the Castro Theater with the cast, John Hamm and Busy Phillips, Kevin Pollack, people like that. And I, and I uh, played some Uncle CJ's tunes just on an acoustic guitar with my friend Eric Paparazzi from Cat Power. We play in a band together called Bambi Kino. And uh, it was great playing that stuff live in a huge theater just with the two acoustic guitars. People were clapping along the cast was laughing, and I just felt like this is such a wonderful moment, you know? I mean, honestly, it was like if only Uncle CJ had been around for this. I mean, maybe he wouldn't totally understand why it seemed so hilarious, but I mean, on some level, I think I think that he would, because clearly there's such a sense of humor embedded in, in this uh, project from the get-go that, that he engineered in, into it himself, you know? I mean, he kind of created this character, of himself as being this kind of trucker poet whatever guy and got lucky enough because he knew one of the producers doing this project to have a shot at doing it and they liked it and they went with it and uh this is one of these random random things that um i think um were kind of more the rule than the the exception probably when you're talking about pop culture oh yeah they an interesting question. If this were going, to, if you were to find this at a truck stop, like what would would it be a loves or would it be a flying J? <laughs> I'm thinking flying J. That's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, uh, is there also the ABC truck stop? I know, or they just is that it? I know there's a song on the soundtrack called Ears On that has a lot of um, trucker talk that I believe was actually recorded off of somebody's uh, base station or something and they they allude to an abc truck stop maybe that's an independent one i don't i don't really know um but there is the you know those elements of um very similitude in the in the soundtrack that's one of them and it's pretty uh it's pretty rude uh that that 
back as well. So, so surprised me. I guess the thought was that nobody was listening that closely <laughs> to hear whether they're talking about it. It's mixed down, but I mean, it's pretty blue. Um, which is also kind of like a funny seventies thing. It's in that moment of, of, you know, that, uh, as well. <laughs> Things get, getting a little, getting a little raw, you know, but yeah. And, you know, we would love to do maybe more, uh, live events we have one planned in brooklyn on february 5th at union hall of bringing in some musicians to play the soundtrack and uh mike Sachs, uh kind of emceeing and dave hill also a comedian who has turned into a, a bit of a fan of this stuff doing something i don't know what exactly yet but um yeah we'll see where it goes so what's it like uh connecting with this music like being able to play it yourself. Ah, uh, it's really great. I mean, it's a little. I I want to say it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I've always had a thing for uh for country music, for Bakersfield sound, for Waylon and Willie as well, and Jerry Reed, absolutely. You know, and um, in recent years, after, I mean, there are some uh, countryish elements in my old bands, uh, Champagne and Maplewood. Um. And then the last couple of years, I've been playing with some guys who uh, uh, play regularly in New York at Hill Country, which is a is actually a barbecue joint that has a really lively music program of just playing a ton of uh, country uh, covers, Roadhouse stuff. Um, so this sits very nicely in there. And in fact, it's actually, I just remembered last at some point last year, we've kind of slowed down the Hill Country thing, but we uh, we were playing um, regular Sunday brunch they were having. And uh, around, the, I guess it would have been around the time that I was learning the stuff for the San Francisco Sketch Fest show, uh, you know, we, the three gentlemen is the band that plays there. Um, they learned uh, Sinker Let's Loose and we did it together. <laughs> there at Hill Country and people were just eating their barbecue like that. They're just like, oh yeah, it's another country song. You know, might have mentioned the movie and people were kind of shaking their heads with a vague, you know, vague air of recognition, you know, as they went for another rib or whatever it was and it just kind of cracked us up, you know, because it just fit, you know, really well between, you know, lo- Lonesome, Ornery and Mean and uh, Bloody Mary Morning, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bloody Mary morning uh, for brunch seems very appropriate. Uh... <laughs> very appropriate, yeah. You got to have that one in the set list. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, in order for people to like get more information and stuff about this, Burger yeah. Records, obviously, is there a way yeah. for people to like find out like what you're up to in terms of performances and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a cjmcnight.com site that we put together recently that has information about him and stinker let's lose and the burger records 42nd anniversary deluxe re-release of the soundtrack and the audible.com production and um and then in terms of my own uh other activities um are you know i since 20 10 i've been playing in this weird band called bambi kino with um ira elliott from not a surf doug gillard from guided by voices and, and eric paparazzi from cat power and we do a a beatles in hamburg saying marathon shows appearances in hamburg it's a sort of non-tribute tribute band you know we don't 
wear leather pants or you know speak in fake accents or get into character um but we just we just rock that stuff as as hard as we can and uh you know it's meant to be a tribute to the spirit of what uh the beatles did 1960 to 62 pre-fame we've kind of become the official band of that and um the our label in germany uh tapita in hamburg has a facebook page for bambi kino which which uh is a good way to keep up with some some news for all of us and um and then i i guess um in terms of the stinker cj mcknight stuff i I guess just the cj mcknight uh website and burger records would be uh good good places to consult for that i mean we'd love to do more but i i would love to go out to la and play a show do sketch fest again um you know see where it goes if there's if there's interest from this uh record well mark thank you so much for talking to me about your uncle great uncle's music uh this has been really fun and it's been really cool hearing like the whole story of how this came to be nick it's really been a pleasure i love talking about it um and uh and thinking about it and as i talk about it i think about it more and um it all kind of snaps together in my mind it's this really strange (laughs) crazy meandering path somehow that has has led to this from 1977 to 2019 wonderful well uh enjoy the rest of your day and again i thank you so much you too Great story, right? All this coincidence and kismet coming together at just the right time. Turns out it was all a goddamn lie. Mike Sachs wrote the book himself. Mark Razzo made all the music, and it was all a big hoax. Turns out Sachs admitted it actually all the way back in May of 2017 when the book first came out in an interview with Vulture. So I should probably do a better job of vetting my guests. That music's pretty great, though, huh? And it's out now from venerable garage rock weirdos Burger Records. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromInspiredPod. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and Stitcher as well. Please hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks with our annual roundup of Record Store Day releases, and this one promises to be a real doozy. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>